So hi, Evan. Hi, Amanda. Let's calm down from talking about the coup and let's, you know, talk about our lives for a hot minute. Um, so you had a little bit of a COVID scare, but you're doing you're doing all right. Yeah, so I was exposed um exactly a week from Tuesday. Uh, my sister came over one night for dinner and she well, she seemed out of it. And then the next day we got a phone call and she was like, Hey, I woke up this morning not feeling very well, so I went and got a rapid test. And she was like, and I tested positive. So we were like, shit. So we quarantined for about five, six days just to like give us that buffer time to see if we do show any symptoms and like, et cetera. So we went and got tested on Tuesday. So a week after we were exposed. Um, And I haven't gotten my results back yet, but my mom did and she came back negative. So I'm interpreting that as I'm negative because there's no reason why I would be positive and her negative at this time. So I'm very grateful that we didn't, I didn't get it. Um, Yeah. But if we did end up getting it, that would have been we were asymptomatic. So that would have been another plus. But I'm very glad that we were able to, like, just get that done with. <laughs> yeah, that's very scary. My dad, his boss had tested positive uh, right before Christmas. And luckily, at that point, my dad hadn't been around him for about five days. So my dad's like, okay, if I don't have symptoms at this point, I should be fine. But he waited another two days and then he went and got a test. And on Christmas Eve, we got the word back that he was negative. So like, everybody was fine. We were good. But yeah, it's scary because when my dad thought he might have tested positive, he was trying to figure out how he could like sleep in his office if he had to, the one that's downstairs. And like, Zoe works retail. If my dad tested positive, Zoe would have to take two weeks off work to quarantine and make sure she wasn't positive because she's around people all fucking day. I am unemployed, but. <laughs> um, we also haven't, I didn't speak about this on uh, the podcast, um, but I recently did lose my job at Starbucks. So I'm very grateful. I don't have to expose myself to people anymore. But, you know, um, we have had shameless to distract us we didn't do mini sods for the hall of shames because it felt like doing a mini sode about a recap episode it felt was... like a mini sode of a mini sode and we felt like it'd just be too much because like realistically we definitely could we do have topics we could talk about regarding the hall of shame but i feel like the hall of shame isn't really it's not gonna be as canon i feel like it's definitely gonna use a lot to progress the current season but i feel like it's it's a filler episode basically like how yeah. supernatural has filler episodes that have nothing to do with the current plot but they are there to extend the plot etc but I mean, i'm enjoying the apparently apparently the uk series did this as well in its final season. Oh, it damn. did Hall of Shames in its final season. Oh, so, damn. Like, so the they US... are paralleling as much as they can, I guess. Yeah. It's a combination of that and buying time because all of LA production got shut down like last week. For like, what, another two months? Uh, yeah, for a while. Damn, so, so uh... at least we know... For our listeners, that means you will be getting season 11 mini episodes probably within 2021. So look yep. forward to that. <laughs> yep. Because at this point, the next one airs, like, February. It's next, this Sunday, I think a new one airs. It is next week. It's the, uh, not in my backyard, right? 11.04 airs, um, on January 10th. That's when 11.04 airs. That'll be right before 2.08 comes out on our end. And then I don't think another one comes out until February 10th. So they're going to do basically, like, one a month. With Hall of Shames in between somewhere. 
But at least we know we won't be able to make content. Yeah. And we know that they have filmed up to episode eight. I don't know if they finished episode eight, but they filmed up to episode eight. So at the very least, they'll release episodes one through seven. And then if they have to take a hiatus, they'll take a hiatus. But like, they're not going to just not finish the series. Uh, But as of right now, we are still in season two. We're almost we're at the end of season two we've got a couple episodes left and this is not an episode that we have to put a trigger warning on uh but it is a monica episode and that is a whole lot to take in oh by the way why don't we um say the name of the podcast that would be a good idea hey guys welcome to the luck we had a shameless recap podcast i'm your host evan and i would like my other host to introduce yourself (laughs) I'm your other host, Amanda. Uh, This is way deep into the pod. I'm definitely going to have to cut that first part out. This is way deep into the podcast at this point. Uh, That's what you're listening to. That's the little icon on whatever you're listening to this on. And hi, this is a Shameless Recap Podcast, where we recap one episode of Shameless every two weeks until we die, I think. This week is, uh, we're still in season two. It's episode nine. It's season two, episode nine, Hurricane Monica. This might be one of my favorite season two episodes. Mm-hmm. It's a really strong episode too. And it like, it stays true to the title. This, like, while I was taking notes for this, I like barely thought I could stop and pause because so much was happening. I was just like rapid fire to keep up with it. This episode is a hurricane for fucking sure. Oh yeah, for sure. But like we said, this is not the episode that we're going to put a trigger warning on because that's not what this is. Um, But this is season two, episode nine, Hurricane Monica, which aired on March 11th, 2012. It was written by Alex Borstein and Latoya Morgan. Alex Borstein, this is the fourth of five shameless episodes she has written. Uh, Three boys, but at last came a knock, a beautiful mess. This one, Hurricane Monica. And the next one she writes is Cascading Failures. This woman writes top tier monica content and she but at last came a knock beautiful mess hurricane monica and cascading failure are you fucking kidding me she lives to hurt us alex borstein lives to hurt us and not only is she amazing writer she's also a hilarious comedian and actress uh currently starring on the marvelous miss Maisel. she was in gilmore girls she's the voice of lois and family guy she's she's great she's a wonderful lady And then LaToya Morgan, our season two staff writer. What's up, LaToya? She's in every episode this season. Honestly, the queen herself. (laughs) This episode was directed by Alex Graves. This is the first of two shameless episodes that he directs. He has also directed Game of Thrones, The West Wing, The Practice, Homeland, The Boys, soon to be starring the illustrious Jensen Ackles. Uh, He is playing... The Nazi beater-upper man. He's basically playing, like, the Captain Captain America. America. Yeah. (laughs) He's playing the Captain America, but not Captain America, because it's not Marvel. (laughs) Soldier Boy. It's Soldier Boy. They had to custom make the suit for his body. As they should. As they should. Don't even get me started on Jensen Ackles supposed to be playing Hawkeye, but we're not going to get into that right now. Because I I have my two cents I could say about that. I'm in season eight of my Supernatural rewatch right now. Season eight is so gay. It's so gay. You got the Benny content. You got the Cass content. You got best of both worlds. You got the Charlie and Dean being gay best friends content. Like, 
the episode where they find Charlie LARPing and she and Dean are in those outfits and they talk about Sam breaking up with the girl and she's like, did you just go through a breakup too? Because that's how he was talking because he had just broken up with Benny. Mm, Amelia. I hate Amelia. I don't hate Amelia. I just sympathize for Amelia. Everything about that story was fucking boring. Stupid and boring, but I was just like, it's another girl. Sam's gonna fuck over somehow. But then realistically, like, her husband obviously was like all that shit. I barely paid attention to her because it was boring. Yeah, it was just, but it just puts a lot of things that are confusing that like, Dean was gone for, like, a year, and Sam was like, all right, I'm packing up. I'm not a hunter anymore. Goodbye. Like, what? Didn't even look for him. Didn't even answer the phone when Kevin, the prophet of the Lord, would call. Like, what? You have to answer when the prophet of the Lord calls your fucking cell phone. But this isn't a supernatural podcast. What are we today? Messy. Messy. It's been a weird couple of days. Like, right. All right. This is not a supernatural podcast. This is a shameless podcast. And this episode is called Hurricane Monica. Its title is about Monica and the havoc she wreaks on the Gallagher's lives when she is there. Also, this episode moves fast. The pace is unforgiving and wild, which giving the episode of the title is really nice. The synopsis is Monica returns to party with Frank but nobody thinks she's back to stay. Fiona reconsiders kicking Lip out of the house. Frank is determined to claim every penny his mother left behind. The previous sale was done by Fiona as she was like ironing some clothes. And in the previous sale, we remember that Karen has kicked out Jody. Lip has dropped out of school and been kicked out of the house, but Karen wants to give the baby up. Ian is gay and he and Mickey have been fucking. Jimmy is back, married, and trying to impress Fiona again. Frank has to pay Terry for an alibi. His mom is not sending him any money, but she sent all of his brother's money. Monica is a lesbian and she is never getting back with Frank. Sheila straight up killed Grammy. Yeah, Sheila committed murder. And that's what you missed in the last couple of weeks on Shameless. We open on Fiona waking up and looking for Lip in the house. He's still not back. All the other kids are asleep, but there is a noise in the kitchen. Monica and Frank are downstairs cooking an enormous breakfast. So, like, all of a sudden, boom, Monica's back. And, like, the dread that crosses over Fiona's face when she sees Monica. Because of how many times do you think those kids have walked down those stairs and seen that, like, image in front of them just to know that it's gonna, like, all go downhill? Is this the episode when Lip does the turtle metaphor? No, that was, uh, it's time to kill the turtle. Oh yeah, da da da. But yeah. yeah, like it's just like the whole kind of like they know it's they know it's gonna happen. Like they know it's short lived all the time. Yeah, it's it's heartbreaking. Every every kid that walks in and sees Monica, the look on their face just makes you want to hug them. Like it's so upsetting. Immediately, Fiona's like, "Oh, you're back. We don't have any money." Like just right away, first response. And then she gets the call that Grammy is dead. She gets a call from a hospital that Grammy has died. And Monica is, she's back to being super mom. She's all sweet with the kids. But like I said, all of them are like shell shocked that she's even there. None of them are happy to see her. Yeah, no one was like, oh my God, mom. They're like, oh, Monica's back. And Debbie and Carl are like, uh, uh, like shocked. And Ian is just straight up mad immediately. He's like, why the fuck? Why did you come back around? Monica asks where Lip is and she and Fiona just sort of look at each other and like it's a whole thing that they have to get into later. And then we join Ian as he's walking to school with Mandy. 
Uh, he's complaining about Monica being back. And then Mandy asks, like, where Lip has been. He hasn't been at school. And Ian's like, oh, Lip dropped out. And he's living with Karen, who is a cancer who destroys everything around her. And Lip being dropped out seems to make Mandy, like, very sad. Like, you could see it affect her. And I love to see the little beginning seedlings of the Mandy-Lip dynamic. Mm -hmm. Because, like, there was, it didn't seem like there was any implication with um, season one Mandy, uh, with uh, Jane Levy Mandy. Like, there was, I feel like her and Lip never really had any. She had moon eyes for Ian, that one. I think, I think her role more so in season one was just more so to help fuel the Mickey Ian kind of storyline. But I really enjoyed, like, the slow kind of, like, a Lip Mandy kind of ordeal going on. But also, can we talk about how all the Gallaghers basically fuck Milkoviches now? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we got mm-hmm. Lip, we got Ian, we got uh, Debbie. Debbie, and then our, I, I think that's everyone, right? That's all of them now, yeah. But like, yeah. I'm sure in high school, Fiona fucked a Milkovich at some point. I don't know. There's 8,000. Yeah. Who knows if there's any other Milkoviches, because we're given so many and then never again. <laughs> and then Ian asks Mandy how Mickey's doing in Juvie, and Mandy's like, you know, you could go visit him. And Ian's like, uh, he kind of, he's kind of pissed at me, thinks I pussied out on something, i.e. murdering Frank. <laughs> i.e. committing murder against his father. And, like, I like that there's still, like, conversation. It's not like Ian's just, like, waiting for Mickey to get back. He's like, no, but how is he? Is he good? How's it going? Like, well. And then we establish that the Milkovich mother is dead. And I need to know more about her. Because the collective fandom theory is that either she left and Terry told them she was dead... Or Terry killed her in an OD sort of situation. Yeah, like, I feel like there's, I feel like this is the only mentioned ever of a Milkovich mother. Yeah. And, uh, speaking of contemplating death, uh, Jody is helping Sheila clean up the remnants of Grammy Gallagher's belongings in the house. Karen was apparently a twin who was absorbed, who absorbed her sister in utero. That's a fun fact we learn about Karen. Wow, oh my god, foreshadowing. (laughs) And then Sheila is considering a career as a hospice worker now that she has taken care of and murdered a woman. (laughs) Queen, perfect. Hospice is exactly where she can go because it's easy to murder older people. (laughs) So Jodi, Sheila's like, oh, you need to have a nursing degree to own a hospice uh, facility. And Jodi says, just... Do the University of River Phoenix. I I love this big dumb man. The University of River Phoenix. Not Joaquin. River. River Phoenix. Karen and Lip come home and then Jody sprints out the back door like a fucking cartoon character. The moment Karen comes home. Like she didn't see him there. And then Sheila tries to convince Karen to keep the baby and keep Jody. And Karen's like, mm, no. How about no on that? And then she sits them both down and talks about how Frank left, but Sheila is pretty sure that Frank is going to come back. Karen's like, he's actually very much not, but good thinking that, Mom. And then the line. The line happens. It smacked me in the face. I didn't know it came in this episode. Sometimes two people love each other very much. They need time apart so that when they come back together, their love is even stronger. (laughs) Sheila's spitting out the facts. Nothing but facts from this woman. The, you a legend for that one, Sheila. That line in Galovich fanfics, forever. Forever and a day. 
Uh, Lip is very quiet and polite, staying at the Jackson house, and he's just sort of, like, sitting there. And Sheila asks if, she asks Karen if Lip is going to keep staying over, because Jody is a great man, and Karen's like, uh, no, Lip and I are just friends, don't worry about it. Um, but also no to that whole Jody thing. But no. And then we get a beautiful Maya Angelou quote from Sheila, because remember, Sheila was a poetry major. I want to know where Sheila went to college. Me too. (laughs) I love Sheila. Back in the Gallagher kitchen, of course, Monica did not clean up the breakfast that she prepared, so Fiona has to do it. And while she's doing that, Jimmy Steve comes in to bother Fiona yet again, and she is annoyed, but she's too tired to fight him. She she doesn't have the patience. Tired to fight this bitch. He comes and goes as much as he can. Like, uh uh-uh. I would not give him my time. Even though I love him. Debbie asks about giving Grammy a funeral, and Fiona's like, that's just not gonna happen. Um, I, we're not gonna even talk about it. And then she tells Jimmy that he can find Lip, because Jimmy said he's looking for Lip. She's like, you can probably find him at Karen's and stop coming around here. Like, seriously. Like, she, like, puts her foot down. She's like, you need to stop fucking coming to this house. Monica all of a sudden comes back in the kitchen and tries to help clean up and promises she's gonna be home when the kids get out of school, but they don't believe her, as well they shouldn't. And so, like, she tries to help Fiona clean up, and then she asks about Lip, like, where is Lip? And the walls around Fiona are up so high around her mom, it's, like, fucking heartbreaking. She's like, you know what? You don't need to know any of this. You don't need to know any of this information. Monica asks for another chance, and, like, we see a little crack in Fiona's foundation. Like, she... She's not a heartless bitch. She wants to believe her mom. But she's been so disappointed so many times. It's like, it's like almost like she, she wants to so badly, but she knows what happens when she like puts her guard down. Like she knows what's going to happen next. So it's so hard for her to be able to accept anything. And it's so frustrating and I have to watch these kids go through this so many times. Like, more than anything, she wants to be able to be like, my mom's back. I can relax. Everything's gonna be okay. Can't, because she knows how fucked it gets if she does let that situation advance. Yep. And they fight about the lip situation and Monica asks to be left in charge of Liam for the day because Fiona's like, I'm gonna take him to work with me. And Monica's like, I... You can leave him here with me. I'm his mom. It's it's going to be fine. And Fiona, she puts up a fight. And then she's like, you're not going to fucking sell him or run away with him or anything, right? And like, reluctantly hands him over. I like personally, just from everything, like, I, I wouldn't feel comfortable giving Liam the Monica. Like, yeah. I, yeah. that's just me. But obviously those kids have gone through enough and have to deal with enough. But I just like, I would have been like, no, he's coming with me. He's coming with me. I think it's more out of frustration that she's like, you know what? I need, I need this. Back at the Jacksons, Karen and Lip are in Karen's room. And then she just straight up lies and says her mom wants Lip to start paying rent. Sheila never once said that. And then Lip finally tells her to fuck off. He's like, you know what, Karen? Go fuck yourself. I'm not going to any more adoption interviews. I'll find somewhere else to stay. Fuck you. And then she's like, fine, I'll just take Frank with me. He might be the father too. Who knows? Fuck you. That, I hated that. That's I just hate gross. so much. She lives to just cause him pain. That's the only thing she's there for. Anyway, Fiona and V are at work. And have they ever mentioned V joining Fiona at the motel doing work before? I feel like it's the first time we've seen I think that. They definitely mentioned like 
V hopping back and forth to like odd jobs, but they never outright were like V and Fiona work together at this and this place. It just will happen to be like same thing when like the bar, like the nightclub thing happened. Her and V just both were working there casually. Like didn't there was no build up to that. They work at the bar. They work at V's mom's salon, and now they work at the motel together too. And then while they work, Fiona fills V in. She's like, oh yeah, Madigan's back. And that's a whole situation. And Fiona is starting to feel guilty about the way she treated Lip. But Fiona's doing her best, man. She was like, you need to go back to school. And she tried to lay out an ultimatum that she thought would work out in her favor. It's not her fault that Lip is a stubborn asshole. And like, what did Lip think realistically? Like, they're not going to let a 21-year-old re-enroll into a high school her only option is a GED. So, like, I don't know why he was like, mm, doesn't count. And I'm like, it's the same thing. She just literally can't go back to physical high school. Yeah, if you would like to continue eating food and wearing clothes, she has to keep working and not being in high school. Um. Fiona insists she's not going to let Monica fuck Debbie and Carl up this time. And then she says she has to go home and check and make sure that Liam is still breathing because she, like, her skin is itchy. She, like, can't trust that he's all right for this many hours and v tries to encourage her she's like you know monica's back now so like maybe you can relax for like a minute and she's like trying to be that encouraging best friend and i i appreciate the energy v but like you know you know what monica's like and then zooming over to lip and karen on the phone he's going through her room looking for something and she is walking down some street somewhere. Like, didn't y'all just have a fight? Stop. Freaking Shameless does this all the time. Like, one scene will be these individuals screaming and mad and yelling at each other. And then the next scene, they're in together just like, hey, like, what's up? What's going on? Didn't we have that kind of parallel, like, in a previous episode? Like, what the- He told her to get an abortion at the end of one episode. And then, like, what? And the the next, next time one... they're, like, chilling, just like, hey. Yeah. Like, what? Uh so for Karen and Lip, y'all can forgive and forget, but Ian and Mickey just have to be mad at each other all the time. Is that how it is? shit out of each other. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Lip apologizes for the fight and asks for the rest of the day to find a new place to stay. And she's like, fine, whatever. And he says he'll keep going on the adoption interviews. And she says, do what you want. I don't need a handout. And then she walks up to a guy's door, a married guy she's been fucking, says she's pregnant and puts her hand out for money for an abortion from this guy. She's just scamming the guy she's been fucking out of money. I don't need a handout from you, Lip. Hello, you? I'd like a handout? Like- Hey, I'm I'm lying to you and this might be your baby, so give me money to have an abortion. Like, girl. So that I don't ruin your marriage. I, like, I don't want to hate one of the female characters this much, and yet here I am. But the shameless writers make us. <laughs> yeah. And, but you know, a female character I will never, ever hate, not in 100 million years, is Sheila Jackson. Oh, Sheila Jackson has not a bad bone in her body. <laughs> She's a sweet baby angel, and she is doing research on how to open a hospice. And Jody is stripping off his own clothes and putting them in the washer, because he's still living in the backyard. Sheila is appreciating the view as this man strips in front of her. Oh, She's is, like this talking. The, is this the first indication that Sheila might have a little winky-winky towards Jody? Look. Little winky towards Jody, her her daughter's husband. He's stripping daughter's down. Daughter's husband. <laughs> and she just sort of like talks a little slower as she appreciates his body. And like, I don't blame you, girl. 
No, he got a good man, body. The man is beautiful. And uh, they both hear something upstairs and they're like, the house is haunted. No, it's Lip. Lip is upstairs. I- <laughs> they both agree that the house is haunted. I, The two dumbest characters. I love you. <laughs> a himbo and a shimbo. I don't know. <laughs> What's it? Is a is it? I feel like bimbo isn't a good one for Sheila. She's just a himbo, but female form. <laughs> yeah, a shimbo. A shimbo. <laughs> and then over to something we never, ever needed to see. A Monica and Frank sex scene in the kitchen. We did not want that. Fiona walks in on it and shields her eyes long enough to go and check on Liam. And they're like, he's fine. He's asleep upstairs. You don't have to worry about it. Like, mid-fuck, still fucking on the kitchen table. And she's like, your kids eat off of that table, but okay. And then speaking of preschool level characters, uh, Kev is learning his letters from a video at home. And just some great iconic Kev lines. Circle doesn't start with S? What the fuck? And the next one is the word is cat. He's like, I love that so much. Like, that's the way he just like, like, um. With his whole chest. I just, I love him. (laughs) Circle doesn't start with S? What the fuck? And then cat, I know what that shit is. That's a cat, bitch. It's a cat, bitch. And then V comes home and she's like, are you like ordering something off the home shopping channel? It's like, just a little bit of this, honey. Just a little bit of this. He's so proud of learning. I I love him. I love him. And like their Hall of Shame episode was really good. And I enjoyed it. I love Kevin V, the only straight couple with rights. So yeah, V comes home and then Lip actually storms in behind her. And asks if he can crash at the house. Kev immediately agrees. He's just always the, yeah, sure, guy. And V gives him her V stare and puts her foot down. She's like, we're not getting in the middle of a fight between Lip and Fiona. We're not, we're not inserting ourselves into that. You can't stay here. And Kev's like, what if we adopted Lip as our own? Wouldn't that change everything? (laughs) Just pick up all the stragglers. (laughs) Lip says, um... Oh, I can't stay here? Go fuck yourself. I'm not doing your taxes. I'm not doing the paperwork for the bar anymore. Fuck you. I asked for one thing. And he's got a point. And then we joined Fiona waking up. She's walking up to Bob. Uh, She went to visit Bob. Bob is outside uh, hand washing her big rig. And she's begging Bob to take Monica back. And Bob's like, yeah. I'm so surprised she even was able to find Bob. And Bob's like, love ain't got nothing to do with it. Living with Monica is like living with a black hole. Drain my spirit and my bank account. She said, Monica is your problem now. I am removing myself from this situation. And then a quick jump to Frank and Monica walking into the alibi to a very warm reception of people that we've never seen before, but they all love and and appreciate Monica. Yeah, like, it's not like she's never there and then all of a sudden everyone's like oh my god yeah we know her what's up girl and then we find out monica is off her meds so this is gonna end well and then kev and the bartender the lady bartender make bets on how long monica and frank are gonna last because like when they're good they're good and they're like slow dancing and they're all in love kev's like i'd give it a week it's not gonna last as everyone knows like, everyone knows exactly what her deal is. So, of course, they're going to be like, yeah, give it a week. Because she comes and goes. Like, they all know Monica's deal. Like, exactly with Kev saying it's going to be a week. Everyone knows how she comes and goes and, like, just back and forth. So, of course, everyone's just like, yeah, not going to last. And, like, the way that they're showing Monica and Frank dance with each other, if I didn't know how toxic and bad their relationship was, it's it's kind of sweet. Like, 
they're right. When Monica and Frank are good, they're good. And like William H. Macy and Chloe Webb have chemistry that makes it work. Back at home, Fiona is decorating pillowcases she took from her job at the motel for Carl's football game because she's a good big sister. And then Monica and Frank bring home half the fucking bar for an after party. Fiona fights it, of course, and tries to shut the party down. And then Ian comes in and tries to shut the party down because he's like, I have fucking school in the morning. Can you knock it off? Frank gets in his face and Monica slaps Frank and makes him apologize to Ian for getting in Ian's face. Oh, this is the part. I hate this part. Ian takes a beer that Monica offers and goes back upstairs. But like, that's the first sign we've seen of Monica like standing up for Ian against Frank, which is like a nice trend. And then Debbie and Carl, of course, wake up because half the bar is in their living room. And Fiona tries to put Debbie and Carl back to bed, but Monica has her mommy hold on them. And Frank, like, pulls Fiona away. Fiona's like, "I, it's like I'm watching a hurricane headed for shore. And she's, like, trying to get the survivors out of the way. Because she knows how this all ends. And Frank says, Fiona had Monica for years that she has to have the younger kids have her too. And he even recognizes that a good night like tonight might be the only good memory of Monica that Debbie ever gets. And Fiona gives in and lets the party happen. And then over on the train, uh, on the L, where Lip is just sleeping in the seats, he gets kicked out of sleeping in one of the seats by a homeless man because the guy's like, those are my seats, so you actually have to fucking move. Mm -hmm. Lip is sleeping on the L because men can just do that. And not worry about getting, uh, murdered. And then at the Jacksons later that night, Frank and Monica break in while Sheila is sleeping to look for Grammy's money stash. Sheila hears it from her room and tries to convince herself it's the house settling. And then while the drunk idiots paw around downstairs, Sheila works up the nerve to come downstairs with a flashlight and a little handheld vacuum as a weapon. And then Frank and Monica, like, hide while Sheila inspects the house and talks to what she thinks is the ghost of her dead husband who is haunting the house. <laughs> and and then fucking Frank and Monica just start making out while hiding in Sheila's home. I hate them. And then a picture frame falls and Sheila loses her fucking mind because she asks for a sign from Eddie and then one of the picture frames falls off the wall and she screams and goes running back upstairs. And the noise wakes up Jody in the backyard. And then the next morning, Lip has tracked down that professor that he's always doing favors for, and he's asking for work, for TA work. And the guy's like, you have to have a high school diploma. I can't do anything for you unless you have a high school diploma. And the professor rips Lip a new asshole. He's like, yeah, fucking go back to school or get a job at Burger King. Like, I don't know what you want me to do for you. Go fucking go back to school like I goddamn told you to and not get yourself stuck in the situation that I told you you were going to get yourself stuck into. At the Gallagher's, Fiona is again cleaning up after Frank and Monica after that party last night while Monica plays mom with Liam, like feeding him. And Fiona gives Monica birth control. She's like, we don't need another one. Take this. And Monica doesn't even put up a fight. She agrees to take it. And Monica thanks Fiona for everything, for everything she's done the last few years, for taking care of everyone. And she says she wants to try and make it up to her. And Fiona, again, wants to trust her mom. So she goes along with it. She gives into it. And she asks what the whole Bob thing was about. And they just sort of have a quiet moment and look at each other about it. Monica's like, I can't really explain. I just liked being with Bob. I don't know what you want from me. Bisexual queen. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. 
And then they do a little girl talk about Steve and how they're going to get rid of his wife. She's like, Fiona, you're after a married man? And Fiona's like, you really want to talk about that right now? And and Monica throws up her hand. She's like, you know what? Fine, then let's girl talk about it. And then she's like talking to Liam. She's like, we got to get rid of that life, don't we? Yes, we do. <laughs> and it's like, it's kind of adorable. It like hurts how how cute it is. Speaking of Jimmy Steve, Lip has resorted to going to Jimmy Steve for a place to crash, which honestly is the first place he should have started. Yeah, he should have gone there from the get-go because he knows Steve, Jimmy, likes him, so... And he's staying in a five-star hotel. Like, so Lip and Steve talk about Estefania, and Steve's Lip says to Steve, you do realize you two basically have the same name, right? Uh... <laughs> Steve and Estefania and Lip says he's like I can get you back in Fiona's good graces because if you let me crash here it will make her so angry that she will come storming up to your front door hell he's yeah he knows what he knows what he, she wants <laughs> so Jimmy like ah uh, you got a point and he lets Lip in and helps he's like I'll let you stay here if you like help me do some tech stuff help me break into some encrypted shit and Lip's like fine and then a naked Estefania comes in and like she's adorable and i kind of love her i I like her she's so innocent she does nothing (laughs) she doesn't do anything wrong she's just around and then uh steve leaves for a meeting oh no lip leaves for um a meeting with an adoption thing but it's locked down he's got a place to stay now and then over to sheila again she and jody are having brunch with a priest and during said meeting frank is mounting a ladder outside of the house and they're like you hear that you hear those sounds upstairs that's a ghost No, that's a man breaking in. No, it's people breaking and entering into your home. Sheila asks a priest for the way to get rid of the ghost, and my supernatural ass is like, salt and burn. It's not not that hard. Salt and burn. Find Eddie's bones, salt and burn him. I I don't know what, put salt around the windowsills, smudge the house. I don't know what you want from me. It's pretty simple. But the priest, instead of saying, find Eddie's bones and salt and burn them, he says to repent for her sins and Eddie will go away. Sheila has never done anything wrong once in her entire life. Besides murdering someone. (laughs) Yeah. And we get a lovely montage of Sheila being kinky and Sheila murdering Grammy. Baby, being kinky ain't a sin. No, it's not. It's for your sexuality. (laughs) Don't you worry about it, Sheila. And then after lunch, Frank catches up with Jody as Jody is walking out of the house. He said he even just mentions he's walking to the cash and grab. I'm like, it's so weird that they just throw that into conversation like it's the only store in town and they chat about grammy and jody confirms yeah there was cash in the couch cushions but she mailed it to all of frank's brothers and frank he said she mailed it to to a couple of people and frank's like to who he was like to whom frank's like what and jody corrects him he's like it's to whom frank's like to whom the fuck did she mail the fucking money I just really like that scene. I thought it was good. When Frank finds out it's his brothers, he loses his fucking mind and storms away. Of course, Frank doesn't deserve shit. Nope. Back at home, Monica is all dialed up as like a high school cheerleader for Carl's football game. And Debbie has brought little Hank home, who seems to have hit a growth spurt and is like a little, is like medium Hank at this point. <laughs> medium Hank. <laughs> and then Frank comes home and tells Monica that the money has been sent away to his brother's. And Debbie is asking about Grammy's body, but Frank and Monica aren't even thinking about it. Debbie's like, hi, are we gonna, like, ever claim our dead grandmother? No? Okay. No. No. (laughs) 
Ian comes home and Monica's like, oh, I made cookies. And Ian's like, oh, so now we're square for you abandoning us and everything. I love this ass. She asks if he's coming to Carl's game. He's like, yeah, I'm going because I always go to Carl's games because I actually give a shit about Carl. And is this the first time we find out that Ian's middle name is Clayton? Um, I think so. I feel like they maybe touched on it like when we found out who his dad was but i don't think they outright said it so i think this is the first indication that that's his middle name yeah frank because frank says his full name and tries to lecture ian about respecting his mother but ian is far too pissed off to put up with that and monica says that frank told her about the kid at the store and she says you should never feel ashamed about what and who you are stop it and uh she says she was never ashamed when she was with Roberta and she offers to take him out and cheer him up after Carl's game. Just the two of them. And he like softens and like they always had this little bond. And this opens up a conversation about a fight that I know they have in a later season, even though I didn't watch the later season. I've seen the fight. And he, when Ian asks Monica where she was when his heart got smashed for the first time, she was there. Like she was literally there and she was the only one who acknowledged his pain. Yep. Unless he's talking about later in what happens in season three, if that is when he got his heart smashed for the first time. But, like, this feels like the first significant- I want to say, like, the Mickey, like, trying to murder Frank and, like, you're just a warm mouth to me. I think that's the- I feel like that's what that is uh, relating to. Yeah, like, it's this. It's this pain that he's going through. And he's like, where were you when I got my heart smashed for the first time? She was fucking there. She was the only one paying attention to the fact that you got your heart smashed. So, like, I'm not a Monica defense squad, but, like, but she, she, some, was she there. says some logical things at times. Like, I can still hate her and repent her to the day I die, but, like, still. Yeah. And, like, he looked like he was gonna cry in this scene because other than Mandy, he didn't have anybody to talk to about Mickey at all. And with Mandy, all he could do was, like, check in on her brother and then, like, maybe secretly talk about the guy he was hooking up with breaking up with him. He couldn't, like, talk about his relationship with her. Yeah. Everything about Ian and Monica makes me sad. Yeah, don't even get me started on their whole storyline. I'm in the middle of watching season five, I think, right now. And uh, I, everything hurts. I, I'm, I'm on the very last episode of season five, so we know what happens in that episode. So I stopped watching it before I got there. Anyway, back to the hotel where Estefania is very comfortable with her body in front of a 17-year-old lip. And uh, Jimmy like smacks him upside the head and tells him to not look at his half-naked wife. And Jimmy is all done up in his coach attire for Carl's game. And asks Lip to bring Estefania to the game. He calls her Esty, which I think is actually adorable. She's super cute. She's excited. She's like, yeah, football. That's, that's fun. Let's go to that. And Ian ag or Lip agrees to bring her. And then Jimmy leaves. And she gets on the phone with her boyfriend. And has phone sex with her boyfriend. With Ian. With Lip. I always say Ian. She has phone sex with her boyfriend. With Lip. In the same. Like there's a. He's watching her do it. Transparent barrier. There's a transparent barrier between the bed and the couch where Lip is. And Lip, she's speaking in Portuguese, and he pulls up a translation program and listens to the whole thing and finds out that she is having phone sex with some other guy. And just as, the way that's edited is really good, because just as she, like, builds and builds and builds to a climax, smash to a child's football game. It was really well done. Carl is decimating the other team. Carl's a fucking destroyer. He's a tank. <laughs> 
Yeah. He's a killer on the football field. And that's when Lip rocks, like the whole Gallagher clan is there. They're cheering him on. And that's when Lip rocks up to the game with Esty and finds out that Monica is back for the first time. Nobody had told him that Monica was back. And he's got some rage about it, as he well should. He's like, uh, what? I left for one fucking night and there's a goddamn mutiny? What is happening here? And he's got Estefania with him and Fiona's like, why the fuck do you have her with you? And he's like, oh, I'm staying at Steve's place. And Fiona's super fucking pissed about that. She gets up and walks down to the field where Steve is is coaching. And he's like, if Lip either stays at my place or sleeps on the L, so I don't know what you want me to do. And Fiona, like, softens at that fact and is like, they're fucking 11. Run the ball. I love her. At the Jacksons, uh, Jody and Sheila are smudging the house with some with some incense to get rid of the spirit of Eddie and not at all just the Gallaghers that have been traipsing through her house. Sheila apologizes for everything with him and Karen uh, to Jody. She apologizes to Jody for everything with him and Karen and says Jody is a good man who deserves better. And so they decide to hold hands to pray on it. Uh, so they hold hands, but that tension, oh, she builds. Oh, felt a little tingle in that handheld. <laughs> she builds, and then they look at each other, and then they kiss! Snaps all around for Sheila. Sheila and Jody, the pairing we deserve. The only other straights who have rights. And then while Sheila is fucking Karen's husband, Karen and Lip are at a restaurant meeting a couple about giving up her baby. And Lip asks her, he's like, should I tell Fiona that, or should I tell Jimmy Steve that Estefania is in love with and having phone sex and fucking another guy? And Karen says, if there's no money involved, don't get other people shit on your shoes. I What a cunt. <laughs> I'm sorry, why? but goddamn. Why were they so, like, why did they have to write her this way? I don't understand. She's so evil and just so negative she's fucking evil and selfish and heartless and greedy and fucking evil like oh the couple shows up and karen asks what they drive first question right off the bat what car you drive money hungry monster and then fiona goes to jimmy steve's hotel room and tells she's like you have to throw lip out and Jamie's like, I'm not Lip's dad. And now that Monica's back, you can enjoy it. Kick back. Take your GED. Read a book. And he admits that he's like, okay, yeah, I took in the bear cub to rile up the mama bear. Like, I did this on purpose to get you here. Yeah. And Fiona's like, well, that's, well, then that's not why I'm here. I'm here to see Estefania so we can hang out. And Jimmy's like, oh, really? Hey, Esty, Fiona wants to hang out and, like, pushes Esty on her. And she's like, fuck you. You knew I was lying. Good. I love that he just, like, threw it right back at her. And he's like, oh, you are? Okay, go have fun, too. You too. <laughs> so Estefani, like, gets dressed. And then when they leave, they're leaving, walking down the hall. And they pass Lip, who's coming home. And things are tense. Speaking of going out, Monica takes Ian to his very first gay club. And says, don't even think about coming out at school. Someone in that neighborhood will knife you for sure. Like we were saying last time with Le with Lena, he only pretends to be with Mandy for his safety. Not because he's ashamed of being gay. Ian Gallagher is I feel anything like the one person he should have been scared of to, like, rat him out was Mickey. But we all know how that ended up. <laughs> yep. And then she starts his terrible relationship with using sex as a commodity it started with being groomed by an older man, that is Cash Kareem, 
but like it does not get better here. Not at all. Because he's like, I didn't get carded to come in this place. And she's like, you're the bread and butter here, babe. They need fresh meat to keep the old guys coming in. And no, I will not launch into an entire dissertation about Ian associating his worth with sex and his body of the attention of older men. And a Hasmania spiral, including the club in season four, is probably a direct line back to this moment with the only other queer person he knew outside of Mickey, showing him love and affection and teaching him all of these toxic behaviors that in the absence of Mickey, that this is all he has to offer. And that makes it even harder for him to accept that real affection when it is placed in front of him and therefore has to use sex as a commodity and his body as a tool. No, I won't. I won't launch into that. No, no, you won't go off. You won't have a whole spiel about that issue. I will restrain myself and contemplate writing a paper about it. Ian Gallagher, you need therapy. (laughs) (laughs) So do I, but... (laughs) Anyway, he says about Mickey, he's in there because of me. And she just looks him in the eyes and goes... I'm sorry you're hurting, baby. Mm, Monica says one nice thing. Fuck. (laughs) It's so frustrating because I know if Fiona had the emotional bandwidth, she would be the same way. But like, don't think about Ian thinking about this moment at his wedding when he said he wished Monica was there. Nope. Don't think about that. Fuck her. But like, a boy wants his mom. Um, And then at another bar, Lip and Jimmy are drinking together. Jimmy asks if Fiona talks about him. And Jimmy's like, I'm not in love with my wife. And Lip's like, good, because she's in love with some other guy. And then Lip asks Jimmy how Jimmy Steve puts up with Fiona. And Jimmy says that Lip should re-enroll in school. And Lip says that maybe in May, seeing as it's settling in, that the baby is going to leave. So he's like, maybe, maybe I'll actually go back to school. He seems to be giving in. Back at the house, Fiona and Estefania come in so Fiona can change to go out with her. Because Fiona is nothing but committed to a bit. Uh, she's going to follow through with this. Meanwhile, Frank, Frank is on the phone trying to get rid of his mom. He's on the phone with the morgue. And he asks how much it would cost to bury her. And then he's like, I am so drunk. Can I call you back tomorrow? So then he hangs up. And Estefania like, has watched that whole phone conversation. And she seems to catch the words dead and mother. Because she goes and just gives Frank a hug. <laughs> Why would she? Like, that's, like, so, like, I love Estefania. Because she's just, like, she's vibes. <laughs> she At this point, Estefania's done nothing wrong. I love this woman. And that's when Monica and Ian come home. And then so do all the kids. And they turn the music on. And they start a little party. Which, instead of fighting it, Fiona comes down, like, in her club dress and just joins the party. And Kevin V come over to join and Monica stops everything to give Debbie a moment to memorialize Grammy. And they all like toast to Grammy and turn the music back on. But after that toast, we zoom in on Frank, whose mood is suddenly just gone and he sinks down the wall because of his dead mom. And then Monica says being back with the family is like the best rush in the world And, like, that's mania, bitch, but okay. That's drugs and mania, queen. (laughs) Yeah. And Frank starts to cry while everyone parties around him. And then over at the Jackson house, Karen comes home and hears a familiar song coming from upstairs. Seal's Kiss from a Rose is playing from Sheila's bedroom. Because Jody and Sheila be fucking. Fucking. Good for them. Good for them. And at the Gallagher's, Frank wakes up on the stairs the next morning, rolls himself a joint. Monica comes home with Grammy's ashes in a box. And he 
add some of the ashes to the joint. No! (laughs) That's so gross. (laughs) And he lights it up. Ian comes downstairs. He's like, huh, breakfast of champions. And everything's super chill and quiet. And it seems like this episode's going to end in a really calm and measured way. No, Terry Milkovich bursts in the back door. And in the previously gone, we had seen that Frank owed him money. So Frank's like, I don't have the money. I'm sorry. But actually, Terry starts swinging on fucking Ian. Beating the shit out of Ian. Beating the shit out of Ian, yelling about Mandy. And Monica jumps on Terry's back and tries to pull him off while Terry is pounding Ian's face in. And she does. She wrestles that man off of her fucking mom strength, man. She wrestles him off while Frank sits on the side and does nothing because he is yelling that Mandy is pregnant and Ian is going to pay. Frank says, attaboy. Ew. We cut to the credits. That's it. There's no after credit scene. That's just how the episode That's, That's how they decide to end the episode. And like, if there's one thing we as a viewer know is it's not Ian's baby. It's not Ian's baby. Whose fucking baby could it be? Uh, we're going to be disappointed with the outcome. But yeah. That's the episode. That's Hurricane Monica. God fucking damn. How did we like it, Evan? I enjoy this episode because, like, I like always in the earlier seasons how it's kind of like everyone's got their own thing going on. As much as, like, I love a good family, like, household moment, I feel like it gives us a bunch of, like, other situations to deal with within season two. And, like, especially, like, the Jody and Sheila. And then now we have Karen Baby. And then we have now ian baby and then we have jimmy steve fiona and then we have kevin v like i'm sad we didn't get as much kevin v this episode they kind of just were there to help advance whatever was going on in a scene but i like this episode as much as i dislike monica and all of her like rampages i guess (laughs) yeah of all the monica episodes this is probably the best most positive one Yeah, it's the most harmless one of all the Monica episodes. And, like, I loved that someone was there for Ian. That, like, their bond is is so special and so beautiful and so deeply fucked up. And and I like, it is a beautiful thing to watch. Watching Cam and Chloe work together is, like, it's a beautiful thing to see. Uh, Especially rewatching season five right now. I was like, damn, I hate her, but these scenes are so good. Like, and, like, the, I don't know if the writers had decided at this point that that was the road that Ian was going to go down. But, like, knowing the way their connection meets up in, like, season four and five, the way that it, like, all comes around, it, it's so beautiful to see the evolution. Like, it is shatteringly sad, but it, it's, it's, it's a, it's a masterful thing to watch, honestly. The work that he does when Ian is manic, the work that she does when Monica is manic, the work that they do together is the most Emmy-worthy work I've seen on the whole show. Yeah, I agree. I agree wholeheartedly. Like, it, the Cam really gets to flex when Monica is around. And I really enjoy that. Um, and, like, the rest of the episode was great, too. I love Sheila and Jody getting together and Lip figuring his shit out and the, everything going on with Jimmy Steve. But it's Ian feels like the heart of this episode with Monica. Oh, yeah. 100%. And feel, I love and respect Fiona and what Fiona's going through. And, like, struggling being the older sister and the mom and, like, giving up responsibility but, like, knowing the other shoe is going to drop. It's a balancing act that she has to pull off. And knowing what happens in a few episodes, it is devastating. Yeah. But it's... 
This was a really well-crafted episode. Alex Borstein writes great episodes. Yeah, really. I I can't believe she also wrote Cascading Failures. That hurts my heart. But it... This was really good. I really enjoyed it. It was a nice thing to have included in the um, absolute um, turmoil that is the world currently. Yeah. I'm going to cut our entire political discussion out from the front just because it's very long. Um, And all of it could be irrelevant. But, like, I think while this was happening, someone in the cabinet resigned. So. Hell yeah. (laughs) Yeah. But we're going to keep on trucking. But and. Uh, thanks to everybody who has been supporting this podcast and people on TikTok keep asking like when are your guys new episodes coming out and I'm like I love that you're asking those questions I'm sorry that we didn't have ha- minisodes for the Hall of Shames it felt like a hat on a hat it felt like a lot and we honestly had recorded three episodes in one week and like we're putting out and putting out and putting out and putting out and it was it was a lot it was overwhelming especially with the holidays just because like it just seems so much like hall of shames are just definitely just going to be fillers it's like we don't need a filler of a filler like at this point to make a pod about it because eventually like if we do end up uh which i'm hoping we do prolonging into recapping into season 11 maybe we could put the hall of shames one we get to that point or make yeah. it its own mini series once we go through because it doesn't really play into the entire storyline of Shameless. It's more so, I feel like it's more so for the actors and the characters themselves than actually for plot points than anything. Honestly, my favorite thing about the Hall of Shames were like it was basically the actors got handed an eight-page script and they're like, "Here's a scene that you have to." It's and it's like an acting exercise that they just got to sit down and do eight like a whole storyline in a bubble of eight scenes together. Like it was, I really, I really enjoyed it. I think like it was cool to see Cam and Noel get to flex like that. It was cool to see Kevin, um, Steve and Shinola get to have that. Theirs felt a little bit like way more integrated into all the flashbacks. Um, but that's because there's just more content for them. I haven't um, gotten time to watch uh, Kevin V's Hall of Shame just yet. So I'll probably watch that tonight if anything. It's going to make you miss Svetlana, and that's going to make you feel weird. Uh, I'm missing Svetlana because I'm at the part when she moves into Kevin V's house. Uh, wifely duties. <laughs> wifely duties. Uh, but I, yeah, the Hall of Shames were good. We just didn't think that they were worth spending time recapping. But we will be recapping the rest of season 11. But yeah, thanks everybody for listening. We super appreciate it. As you see, we are growing and learning as we go. And we are still loving doing this podcast. It is truly what has kept me going this last year um it's it's been really rough watching the industry i work in disappear around me and being able to fall into podcasting is uh has really helped me uh mentally and really helped me stay keep going um and i appreciate being able to do this and i appreciate that people listen Mm-hmm, me fucking it would too. be super great if enough people listen that we could like get advertisers and make money off of it but i don't want to like sound greedy but i also like would like to make car payments um <laughs> it's a whole thing but yeah so if you like us tell your friends tell your family uh to listen to us um and recap some shameless and you can follow us on luck we had pod at at twitter luck we had pod uh on instagram you can email us at luckwehadpod at gmail.com you can follow me at Abnormal Amanda on Instagram. Uh, you can follow Evan at I Want to Die 4000 on Instagram and on TikTok. Yes. <laughs> 
And then the link to our website is in all the bios of all of our websites. Um, you can find where the stream, where you can message us, and where you can find where to contact me and Amanda. So email us yes. if you have any questions or if you have some two cents to say about Shameless, because we want to hear what you have to say. Oh, and on that website, there's also a link to the paper I wrote about Mickey that I am considering recording and putting out as like a special episode. That I feel like you definitely should. Yeah. Oh, so and as of now, um, as of now, I did add our Ko-Fi to our website where you guys can quote unquote buy us a coffee, which um, that money will be going towards getting me and Amanda better equipment so we can make our recording sound as sparkly clean as we can. <laughs> Let's get Evan a microphone. Me get a microphone. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, so thanks everybody for listening. Uh, find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Play, anywhere you get your podcasts. Uh, then also on YouTube, rate us, review us, like, subscribe, do all the things, hit all the buttons. And uh, we will see you guys next time. See you next time. Thank you everyone for listening. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.